here we are on the Between Two Worlds, stories of belief, unbelief, and everything in between. I am your co-host, Scott Trout, here with... Joey. And uh, we are very excited to give you episode number two of this podcast. Joey, always good to see you. Good to see you too, Scott. Um, <clears throat> for those of you who didn't get a chance to listen to our riveting first episode, Joey and I know each other from improv, and we uh, come from very different religious backgrounds or spiritual backgrounds. And so we thought uh, it'd be fun to start a podcast where we interview our friends and get to know their stories of what they believe about spiritual spirituality and that could be on a religious side or it could just be on like a more universal energy spiritual side um it could be faith or atheistic there is no god there is nothing um and yeah we're going to be interviewing them and getting them on here telling their stories and helping people to see why people believe what they believe and today i get the the uh fun of Joey interviewing me. So you're going to hear my story. Are you ready for this, Scott? Are you ready to tell people where you're from? I'm a little nervous, but I think it's going to be great. So, hi, hey, everybody. Today we're going to interview Scott. Scott, are you, are, are you happy to be here today? That's what I want to know. Oh, yeah. So we're doing this one in the morning. The previous one we did in like the afternoon. A little groggy, but it's like 10. And as an adult, this should be, you know, when I'm ready for the day. So I'm excited. I just had my coffee. I'm totally ready for today. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to lay it on you, lay it on take and be like, Scott, where are you from? Tell me right now where you're from and what's your story. All right. So I am from America and, and a hush went over the crowd. No, I'm just kidding. I love the States. Um, and from America and specifically from Colorado, which is really where I feel a strong identity. Love Colorado. If you don't know it, it's got a lot of mountains, real pretty. Hopefully everyone should visit it at some point, including you, Joey. Um, I will. I will. <laughs> and I, my wife and I, we just recently moved to Amsterdam about nine months ago. So uh, tell us, Scott, what did you do before you moved here? Like, what, what did you do and why did you move here eventually? Yes. So for my, my job, um, well, okay, let me back up a little bit. I studied theater in college. So I studied acting. And uh, you can't see this on the podcast because it's just audio, but I have a very expressive face. It's just always doing something. And that was what it was since I was a kid. I was always inserting my head into other people's photos. And I thought like, the photo needs this face. Um, so I studied theater, I wanted to be an actor and I specifically wanted to go to Chicago to do improv acting. Uh, there's this troupe called Second City, real famous, pretty high dreams on my end to try to get in, but I wanted to kind of work my way up taking classes, all that good stuff. Uh, 
I'm also from a Christian background, Christian family, and that has a huge impact on, on who I am and how I see the world, as well as what I want to do with my life. And so those two worlds, basically, which kind of is why I can relate to the title of our podcast, between these two worlds of creativity, theater, acting, uh, as well as Christianity, religion, uh, faith, those kind of had um, two factors on, on what I wanted to do in my life. And so basically, post-college, actually more like in my last year, I really felt this tension. I wanted to be an actor, but there were certain parts of acting that really, mm, they were really hard for me, to be honest. It's like the self-promotion side of things. They're like constantly trying to be better than other people or to get cast at, so that someone else doesn't get cast or to have people notice you and think that you're worth their time. Uh, that started to get pretty draining. And what I realized is I actually love, I love telling stories. That's one of my favorite things. That's why I love theater. And um, during college, and I can explain more of this, I met a group uh, called the Navigators Organization that meets with students, builds community, and does one-on-one -on -one mentorship. And through the guy that mentored me, I decided I actually want to go and do what he does. I want to do, I want to work for the Navigators. I want to work with students and helping them with their faith. So I did four years of that at Oregon State. I moved across the country. It's where I met my wife. And uh, she wasn't with the Navigator. She thought it was a sailing club, which pretty much everyone does. <laughs> uh, and then we got married. We were still in Oregon for a little bit longer. And early on, even before we got married, we thought we would love to go overseas at some point to do uh, basically missionary work, be a missionary. Um, and kind of a whole long little story there of how Amsterdam developed, but pretty early on in our marriage, we said, this is what we wanna be about. We wanna be used by God wherever he wants to send us. And Amsterdam became that place. And then there was kind of a long year process of getting ready. And then nine months ago on September 11th, yikes, horrible day to fly. Uh, we arrived. That's when we got here. Oh man, you almost arrived on my birthday as well. When's so close. Birthday? 8th of September. So uh, close. Well, now, <laughs> actually, our, our anniversary is September 3rd. Your birthday is the 8th. And the date that we arrived, September 11th. It's a weird feeling flying on that day, but I guess, in a weird sense, I thought. It's kind of like lightning never strikes the same place twice. So this day actually might be the safest day. Wait, that's kind of interesting because I I'm for, for those without context clues, he's talking about nine eleven. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but uh, is that is that actually uh, in your mind when you fly on that day? Was that actually like a big thing for you? Um. <laughs> I don't actually know how it all kind of happened. I think Brianna was the one that picked the flights and we were mostly going off of price and we knew we wanted to go after our anniversary. Um, so I think it just kind of worked out. But then on the day I was just like, Oh, this is, this is intense. Um, 
but I don't live my life with a lot of fear. Sometimes it's stupidity and sometimes it's bravery. Uh, so I didn't think too much about it. I was just like, this is just more of a fun thing to tell people versus being scared. Ah, I, I see how you do this. Okay. Uh, it's an interesting story so far, Scott, because uh, I did not know you actually had to prepare for a year. Like, what kind of stuff did you need to prepare for? Are there specific rules that you had to follow? Or uh, may- maybe within your marriage, that there were specific things that you wanted to do in that year? Like, elaborate on, on that a bit. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, so there was a lot. And there was a lot more than we actually thought there would be. Although looking back on it now, we're really grateful for the fact that our organization slowed things down for us. We were like gung-ho, like, yeah, we're awesome. The Lord is awesome. Amsterdam's awesome. Connect all the dots. This is going to be a really easy process. Um, And yeah, we were young in our marriage, young relatively in the world. Um, in our life experiences. Yeah, so we were both 27, I think, when we started this process of coming overseas. And um, so there's several different preparations. We had to do trainings. So there's like a cross-cultural Bible study that we did, just talking through what is the what does the Bible say about working in a different culture than your own. And are there examples of that? And are there principles that can be helpful? Big things like how to be a learner versus just coming in and trying to fix everything and just being like, hey y'all, I'm from America and you need to listen to me because I'm a Christian and here's the way to do things. Uh, But yeah, trying to be like, uh, let let me learn about the culture and see what is beautiful about the culture and what people are doing and where God is already at work. So there's those kind of trainings, uh, as well as language acquisition, how to learn a new language, uh, stresses that are associated with moving to a different country. Um, Yeah, yeah, so different things like that. Then we had to do fundraising. So interesting little tidbit about my job. Everything that we do is funded through individuals, churches, families, friends. So we're kind of like crowdfunded or crowdsourced, uh, just in a little bit more of an official way. So it's all through the organization. But yeah, we so we were talking with people, talking with my parents' friends, talking with our friends, talking to churches, telling them, hey, here's what we're up to. This is why we want to do this, why we're going to Amsterdam, what we're going to be doing. And then people, if they believed in us and what we were doing and uh, what God was doing through us, they... Would support us. So many of them support us on a monthly basis. Many of them gave large one-time sums to help pay for our expenses over here, which that's pretty awesome. It's very humbling. And then a lot of it was also marriage, marriage counseling. That was probably the biggest thing that extended our timeline is the NAVs just knew anytime anybody moves overseas, it can put a lot of strain on your relationship. And so if there's any unresolved or unexamined aspects of your your marriage or relationship prior to going it's only going to get you know magnified uh and so they really wanted to dig through that with us so we did some stuff with the navs and then we actually went through a a professional counselor and i got individual counseling and brianna got counseling and we got counseling together 
we thought it was going to be like three months turned into nine months and um but we it feels like we're on a lot more solid foundation now because of what we went through man that sounds really intense thinking you can go and then nine months later you can actually go after a lot of extra training yes so I'm, yes. I'm, I'm actually kind of curious, it's like, what is the main thing you think you've learned in those nine months that you're using right now? Heavy questions, Joey. <laughs> um, well, let's see, I guess if we're going to go with within marriage, is that, yeah, we can, I'll go there. <laughs> um, well, whatever feels right for you. There really was a ton that we, that we learned. There was this one like month long training that we went through. It was so fun. It was so awesome. But marriage counseling really was some of the, the biggest uh, takeaways. One of the big ones is I didn't think we needed it. And so one of my biggest takeaways is that we did. <laughs> we needed it. Um, it was really humbling to see that, admit that. It was frustrating to have authority figures, our bosses, um, say you guys aren't ready and you need to go through these things. That really like, that really hit me personally because I think I, I want to perform. I want to meet people's expectations. I want to I exceed people's expectations. And so to be put in a place where I... I had to submit, like I, I wanted to go overseas. I couldn't until these things. And then even within the process, they had given us kind of a range, three to six months of counseling. But then, but really it was, you can go when you're healthy, which is like, that is nebulous. Like, what does that even mean when you're healthy? How do you know when you're healthy? And I'm so glad, because I wanted to check it off the box. Like, boom, nailed it, did my sessions time to go and they were like no you can go once you feel like things have really helped yeah and so what we were learning how to do if you if you know the counseling world we were going through EFT it's emotionally focused therapy um and that is how to learn to hear each other on an emotional level so as opposed to just hearing what you think you're hearing the other person's I don't know, arguments or like the ways that they're hurting you. You're like, I'm being hurt. You're frustrating, but actually hearing for what they're trying to say and their emotions. So, um, so we, yeah, a lot of sessions of like turning towards each other and sharing how we feel, but it was so good. Oh man, that's a month long. Those kind of sessions sound so intense. Like I can't even imagine. But uh, yeah. so Scott, uh, for us that don't know, because uh, actually a funny thing, I've known Scott for uh, oh, also more than almost, no, actually longer than half a year now. So time really flies. Yeah. Uh, but I actually don't know uh, which part of religion you are from. So uh, what, what branch is your branch? Yes, <laughs> this is a great question. And I love it because, so the reason Joey and I wanted to do a podcast is because of our differences, like that we come from religion from different standpoints. 
Joe, you'll get a chance to share your story, but it seems like you come more as like a blank slate. You don't have much experience. You weren't trained in anything or raised by your parents with any sort of, yeah, faith or anything. And so you more are like, just curious. You're a curious person. You want to know things, right? That's how you would articulate it. Yes, that's actually spot on. And then I've had, I was raised in a specific um, faith, Christianity, and, um, and then I am still, I'm still practicing, still call myself Christian, follower of Jesus, that kind of thing. So then what I love about this question is because hopefully we're going to have a very Christian audience, and a very non-Christian audience, and like people from all over listening in. So some people as I throw out Christian terms that are like, oh yeah, 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 we get it, we get it. And then other people are like, don't know anything that he's talking about right now. Um, okay, so Christian branch, I, okay, so there's like kind of big branches, there's the Catholics and Protestants. I'm more from the Protestant side, although my mom was raised Catholic and became Protestant, so that's kind of cool. Um, there's actually a lot of transformations in my family, which is maybe one of my favorite things that we aren't just like generation passed down, passed down, passed down. But both my parents had this moment kind of around my age, maybe like when they were 25 earlier, I guess, where they decided to actually be Christians. They were raised with some sort of faith and then decided, no, we want to believe this. And that's very similar to my story. Uh, raised with like a foundation decided to not build on the foundation and kind of do my own thing and then realized, Oh no, that's a good foundation. And I believe in, in this stuff now for me. So I would say some of the labels that you might know, I'm um, probably more on the evangelical side of Christianity, which basically means <laughs> such a watered down term. I don't even know what it means <laughs> these days. It basically means uh, that we want to share our faith with other people. Everyone kind of thinks evangelical means they hate gays. It's not true. Um, it, it, it's, it sounds like you walk around in circles with wings on your back and just singing like <laughs> beautiful songs. That's true. Those guys sound like evangelical. Yeah, weird. Uh, yeah, terms. Um, and then there's like some smaller little branch thingies but I don't know if they're that important because I really think the differences within the Christian church of which there's like a bunch of different denominations or groups or whatever. I think it's actually really important that those are there because different people due to personalities or um, how they're raised or theological standpoint, they, they emphasize different things. And so kind of the big picture is that we all make each other better because we can learn something from this group and this group can learn something from this group. Um, but the organization I work for, the Navigators, it's interdenominational, <laughs> which means they work with all different denominations of the Christian faith. So we're, we're truly trying to just help people figure out who was Jesus, what did he say, how did he live, and how can we be like him? that's what we try to do so scott i think a lot of people are very curious about uh, what you do here like for your job how do you help people uh, what do you do with uh, your group specifically 
like uh, elaborate on that uh, a little bit? I'm also trying to figure it out. <laughs> so, um, okay, a little, little sprinkling of history on the Navigators. The Navigators started in the 40s, 1940s. In World War II, there was a guy who believed, he, he, like, he loved the Bible, he believed what it said, and he believed that Jesus wanted all Christians to help other people become followers of Jesus. So making disciples, disciples being followers. So he started doing it in the Navy. He lived in California and he, he mentored these guys who would then go onto the Navy ships and then they would be mentoring guys on the Navy ships. And then pretty soon like whole Navy ships were called like floating um, seminaries, like where you become like a pastor or something because of these guys and how seriously they took their faith and how much they were passing it on to others. So like, you know, sailors, which is usually like really rough and tumble people becoming Christians, having their lives changed. And then those guys came back and in the States, um, military servicemen could get free education after the war. So then they go to college campuses and that's where the collegiate work started, all the colleges and universities. Now these little guys are mentoring guys and, and girls on the campuses and it's like spreading. So it's like military and the colleges and um, and so really long history all the way up until today. And they've been, they're all over the world. They're in like 108 countries. Um, our international president is Kenyan, uh, and people all over Europe and East Asia. So all over the place, really exciting. And America is still the hub, but there's growing work all over. And actually, especially in the Netherlands, which is pretty cool. I think it's one of the, one of the largest ministries here in the Netherlands. Um, and so what we specifically do, there's kind of a separation. There's the Dutch navigators and they work in Dutch and they're working with Dutch students. And then there's the little international navigators and that's me, my wife and three other couples and a single dude who are here in the city. Um, and we are working with international students helping build a home away from home. So we do things in our homes. We have meals together. We're studying the Bible with international students to help them wrestle through those same questions. Who is Jesus? Is he relevant? What did he say? How can we follow him? Should you follow him? And uh, it's pretty small. We've got maybe 25 or so students with us. We're now in about four separate houses for like smaller groups. And then we also are doing the one-on-one -on -one mentorship. And in during that, I, me with a guy or Brianna with, yeah, a gal, uh, talking them through who, who do you wanna be? What do you believe? Um, what questions do you have? We're reading the Bible together. We're helping build character and uh, faith. And again, helping them figure out what it means to follow Jesus. That's really cool, man. So I can imagine that you find a lot of different cultures as well within Amsterdam. And I find it funny that like normally when you talk about Christianity or religion, that it's like hundreds of years old and your group is only 80 years old, which is actually kind of funny to hear that it's relatively young, but uh, relatively growing big in comparison because it's mm -hmm. already all over the world. Totally. 
So I wonder with your students, are, is everyone religious when they come in? Or do you also find people that are just curious, like me jumping in, but also uh, going a step further and actually participating more and more and becoming religious? Hmm. That's a great question. Yeah, that's the hope. The hope is not to just have a little huddle of Christians and we're like, never go into the world. Let's just hang out together. Everyone's crazy except for us. We have free uh, food. Stay with us. <laughs> yeah. Let's just take care of ourselves. Don't talk to anyone. Um, so the hope is we gather as Christians, but it's so that we can be equipped to talk to others, to talk to those who don't know, who aren't, who aren't religious. And so, yeah, the hope is that our group is a gathering place for anyone in their spiritual journey, no matter where they are, whether they're like, yeah, I believe in this, or they're like, ah, I'm kind of looking into this, or they're like, definitely don't believe this. The hope would be that we could have conversations with everyone. The reality is that a lot of times it just becomes just Christians because we are reading the Bible. And so you have to be a certain type of person to be cool with coming into our Christian um, zone because we're like unashamedly it's not like we're like we're gonna look into all the religions and then pick one we're like no we're looking into this it's like a it's a focused it's a focus group um, looking into this seeing if it's relevant for our, our life so you've got to be somebody who's who's cool with that which you are and I love that that you came into our space but yeah it felt like you're like whoa okay there's a culture here that I and not used to potentially. Um, but hopefully it was warm, it was inviting. You didn't feel like you had to be somebody or pretend. Um, because I really believe when you get opposing viewpoints in the same room, that actually makes everyone better as opposed to everyone just agreeing and we're all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the truth, it's awesome. So we really try to help people wrestle with doubt, questions, um, not force them into a certain aspect of their journey, but just to be like, come as you are. One of the things we often say every week is we've got like the ABCDs of our group. And the first one is authentic. Um, we want We want everyone to just come as you are. So that's the hope. Well, yeah. And to answer your question about uh, is it open and how do you feel like, yes, definitely. You feel open, you feel warm, you feel welcome. Um, I think, if you want to join the group for a day, you need to be open for discussion, but also open to talk about it in a friendly way. Like mm -hmm. it's all right to be on the opposite side of the spectrum, but don't go for be like, Oh no, God doesn't exist. And this is why. And, but be open to listen to the other side as well. Like, ah, that's, that's interesting. I can see how you think that is a thing for you. Mm -hmm. Like mm. if that's the way you think, I think it's awesome to move, visit your group. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think the reality too is sometimes like, so just for me personally, I love having conversations with people who don't believe in Christianity. And that's often what improv is like. There's more, more people predominantly who are non-religious or they used to be religious and then have moved away from it. Um, and I love those conversations because it really challenges me 
people are like, well, why do you believe this? Or what about this? Or you're stupid. I'm like, ah, thank you for telling me. Um, and so I, I'm still trying to figure it out. How do I bring these two worlds together to have good conversations? But for right now, I have conversations over here and then I have conversations over here. Um, but the whole time I'm kind of doing the same thing. I'm trying to help people figure out what do you believe and why do you believe it? Yeah. So uh, the first thing that popped in my mind when you said that is like, do you feel, um, how do you feel with your theater background doing improv and doing theater? Does it challenge your religion besides people telling you, uh, that you're stupid apparently, <laughs> uh, but does it challenge you in an other way? Like if you do a, a specific scene as a non-religious character, do you feel challenged because your beliefs are also on the line? How do you deal with those kind of moments? Yeah. That's a good question. Um, man. Yeah, for real. I faced that a lot. Uh, yeah. Um, so, so I've, I've, I think I've felt cha challenges in some different ways, both on stage and off stage. Off stage, it's more of the conversations. I don't think anyone's called me stupid. They might have thought it. Um, but I have been called like dangerous, like your ideas are dangerous. Uh, mostly I think people just don't want to engage. They're like, ah. Well, I, I, that's actually even not true. I think if I come at it trying to change people, people don't want to engage. If I come at it from wanting to understand people, then of course people want to engage because that's a beautiful conversation when, pe when two people are trying to understand the other person. You're just trying to change, then it just, you're not really listening. So I, I really try to do a lot of listening. Um, but it seems like you're also asking about acting and and how my faith has affected yeah my ability to play characters or um decisions of like what i will or won't do on stage kind of thing is that your yeah yeah i'm really curious because especially in theater there's like really big conflicting characters and i felt like maybe you've played a very conflicting character and like especially because you try to combine the two worlds or make it more inviting for religious people to get into theater. But how do you deal with a specific character that is like the complete opposite of who you are? Totally. Man, that's still good. So the great thing about this is, uh, I've thought a lot about this, so I, I love this question. Um, uh, this actually isn't just a Christian actor's issue or, or not only Christians will be confronted by this though it seems like it because Christians are like oh like you probably won't have sex on stage or um I hope not <laughs> or pretend to or be or be naked or I don't know um or or be some violent guy or honestly I think with Christians it's more the sexuality stuff that's what they what they don't want to be a part of um but I would say anyone as an actor always goes through a process of figuring out what character is deplorable to me or like deplorable meaning um, disgusting or reviling or like, I don't like this person. 
And you can have that no matter who you are, because everyone has a standard for uh, a good person and a not good person. And so for the atheist, playing a Christian actually might be really hard for them to actually understand why does this person believe what they believe, especially if it's like a Christian, um, I don't know, fundamentalist who has really strong uh, beliefs against gay marriage or, you know, something like that. Um, so for me, yeah, I, I've had to think this through, but what I, what I try to do, there's kind of two different, I think, um, Christian actors. <laughs> no one can see my hands, but they're really working. My hands are really working. Um, so, so some Christians say, uh, there are things that I, as a person, am not willing to do. And actually, everyone should do that, obviously. It's like, everyone should be like, I'm not going to kill a cat on stage. That should be just one of those universal things. No matter what the role is, I'm not going to kill a cat in front of a live audience. Um, a baby could be fine, but... <laughs> what? Uh-oh. Uh Joe, I just found out where your line is. I'm just kidding. Um, so it's good to know kind of where that line is. But um, I think Christians often draw that line pretty quickly of, of I don't want to be seen as doing any of these things, cussing or, um, you know, even kissing another woman if you're married or that kind of, that kind of thing. And, and certainly I respect that because it is like, well, is it me up there or is it just the character and it's not so black and white? It is you up there, but you are playing a character. So then the other side is I believe that acting in theater improv movies your job is to bring someone else's life to life you're telling their story and bringing it to life and so the more honest you are as an actor where people are like kind of forget that it's you up there and they're like whoa i'm seeing this character ray bradford or something as opposed to scott that's good acting when you kind of lose the sense of wow that's leonardo dicaprio it's like no he's that he's that character and the importance is that stories need to be told so that we can learn from them. So the way I get here is um, within the Bible, there's a lot of stories. There's a ton of stories. And there's a lot of stories that are really hard stories. They're not pretty. They're not like easy stories. In fact, the Bible has some of the hardest, horrific stories that I've ever encountered. Um, you know, you could take... Uh, the story of Moses and, the, um, and Egypt, the Pharaoh in Egypt and how Moses wants to take the Israelites out, they're slaves and the Pharaoh's like, no, they're my, you know, you belong to me. And so in order to tell that story, someone has to be Pharaoh, who is kind of a deplorable character. He's so stubborn. He's so stubborn that thousands of his own people suffer, their cattle dies, their land is destroyed, their water is destroyed, and then ultimately they're their babies, their children are destroyed because of him, because of his pride. And so I, I would have to play him, but through the lens of how can I understand why this person does what he does? And so then I look at what is the overall message of this story? And is that worth telling to justify the evil character that I'm playing? And then ultimately, no character is evil in his own eyes. Everyone thinks that they're doing the right thing. They just have misguided motives or um, objectives. 
You know, another one is David and Bathsheba, which is a biblical story where David was one of these great kings of Israel, like one of the greatest. He is the greatest, probably. Um, he's called a man after God's own heart, meaning uh, God delighted in him or something about David was very close to who God is. And yet David committed adultery. He killed the, the woman's husband. He slept with her. He impregnated her, then had him killed. Um, and yeah, it's, it's horrible. There's, there's no way that God like condones that action. Um, and so as an actor, I'd have to think through, why is this character in this story? Why is this story being told? Is it one that I believe in? And therefore, um, my job is to tell, tell that character's story as honestly as I can. Um, but then there are some stories, some movies specifically, that I wouldn't want to be a part of, no matter how much they paid me, because I don't believe in what they're promoting. Certain things like, I don't know, like American Pie, uh, which I haven't actually even seen, but like it's promoting a view of sexuality that I don't think is realistic. There's a view of women that I don't think is realistic, a view of manhood that I don't think is realistic. It's all about like how to get women to do whatever you want and like get them to show you their boobs. And like, that's what the movie's all about. And, and so I'd be like, well, I don't think I want to be in that movie. Oh man. I think that it's so funny that this is your example, considering all the shows that have been made over the last few years. And you're like, no, American Pie, that's my example for this. Because <laughs> the first thing that popped in my head when you said that, like, there's this uh, a, a, a CW show that's called Lucifer, which is literally a show about the devil who just lives on Earth and tries to have a quote-unquote normal life. Oh, interesting. Uh, so I thought maybe that would be an example, but then I realized, like, oh, yeah, you definitely haven't even heard about that show. <laughs> Although I feel like maybe I have, but I mean, it's fair so I haven't seen the show. You could probably tell me more about it, but that's a very compelling uh, idea. And so if a show, if a show tells us more about humanity or what does it mean to be human or the good and the bad sides of being human, which maybe that's what that show does, that, that would be interesting for me at least. Um, it's the shows or the movies that detract from humanity. They objectify. Uh, they take away people's humanity by making them, oh, just the slutty girl or um, just the guy who's always trying to get laid. And like, certainly that is some people's motives, but um, I'd rather have a movie that actually um, tries to be as realistic as possible and doesn't just make things simple. Um, it's kind of why I don't love superhero movies as well. Kind of oversimplifies things. Oh man, you, it, it's so funny to me because I'm the complete opposite. Like I, I, my ideal movie is a really good superhero movie with a strong story. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, the morals. <laughs> You're right. And I could totally be convinced. It's not a hill I need to die on. I think there is something really cool about somebody who doesn't think they're a superhero getting powers and then realizing what this means to have this like power or responsibility or abilities and and doing it for good i think that's a cool oh here's a nerd warning for everyone oh that's my favorite anime right now <laughs> just that story is literally what happens in that in that complete story wait what's the what's it called it's uh, called my hero academia and it's it's a superhero world everyone has powers 
uh, but some are born without. And this boy just wants to be, his idol is the world's number one hero, and, but he doesn't have powers. And all of a sudden he encounters the number one hero and apparently his powers are transferable and he gets these superpowers and he starts to learn how to be a hero. But he was born a hero before he was one. Because hmm. the yeah, number one hero... Awesome. Yeah, so the number one hero recognized like his morals are great. He jumped in when everyone was just watching. And that's why you're supposed to be my successor. Hmm. So it's so funny that you're like, oh, if it's this, then I would love it. And I'm like, this is this show. <laughs> yeah, that sounds amazing. I'd love to watch that. That sounds good. Um, so uh, I'm very curious, like uh, long-term plans. Uh, how are you and Brianna? Like, uh, how long are you planning to stay? Are there specific plans for the future? Uh, are there specific things you need to be like thinking about uh, uh, when it comes to the group, uh, is it possible that the group says like we have other plans for you? We need to move you. Like, mm. how are how is the future painted so far? Mm. Yeah. So we signed up for two years. Although we got a three-year visa, and so we're definitely open to three years. Um, in fact, honestly, I think that's. Yeah, I think we're gonna do three years, and even potentially longer. We've really enjoyed it so far really enjoyed Amsterdam and especially the community that we have like gosh it's like the people that you're surrounded by versus where you live that's what makes a place worth living in uh so we're we're definitely down we're excited we're enjoying it um we've got some big new changes to our life coming up um I don't know when this is gonna be released maybe we'll maybe we'll have made it public by then um and uh, but then, yeah, as far as our organization, there's a lot of room for growth within the city. Um, several different campuses that we would love to be a presence at so that students know how to find us if they're, if they're that type of person that has questions or is searching for some sort of answers uh, or even just a mentor. We'd love to be available. So people are like, oh, if you need, if you need that, like the navigators is what, who you should talk with. That would be awesome. Um, and then as far as the navigators in general, I, I love the navigators and I probably am gonna do this for my career unless God makes it very clear uh, that I should do something different, which would probably be more in the realm of creativity. Uh, my hope is to kind of blend creativity and, and this mentorship work that I'm doing. Um, we will probably move back to the States at some point. That's kind of the game plan right now. And we would live either in Colorado where I'm from or Oregon where she's from, but that doesn't have as much clarity to it. So right now we're, we're just like, we're here until he makes that next step clear. All right. Uh, I, I was actually wondering like creative, you're such a creative person, like you saying that you want to do something creative might, my first initial thought was like, what is that for you, Scott? What, what is that creative job for you? Oh, I, um, well, this, Joey, honestly, is a huge part of it for me. I've been wanting to do a podcast for a long time and didn't have the buddy around me to do it with. So you, you're actually like a huge gift to me. Um, and yeah, uh, 
I kind of mentioned earlier, I love telling stories. And I think stories have such an ability to help people learn things about who they are by seeing it told through a story. And so when I think of creativity, that's what I want to do. I just don't know the medium all the time. So right now, podcast, tell stories through the podcast and help people be like, oh, wow, that person, they believed in that thing. That was really cool. Maybe I'll look into it. Or, wow, they doubted that thing about their faith. That I'm also struggling with that or something. Um, but then I've got a whole bunch of, um, yeah, theater or dance, short film ideas. And I would love to make those. Uh, I think I'm just kind of waiting for the right people to collaborate with. On. But there are, yeah, stories that are in my head that, uh, it feels like God won't let me get onto a new story until I tell these ones that are in my head. Um, Cause I've had them for a while. That's really cool. It's the first time that I uh, hear you men mentioning dance and next time I see you, I would definitely want to see you dance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an okay dancer, but I have fun ideas of how to make other people dance. That's what I'm, I would like want to be the director, but then even then I wouldn't even know how to, I'd be like, um, plie maybe put a plie in the tutorial thing and they're like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about <laughs> i need to i need to find a choreographer uh that's a lot of <laughs> i just imagine you standing on the side like yeah i like what you're doing but try to turn around like this a little bit and they're like you're just turning your hands like <laughs> do you mean our upside or our hips like <laughs> what do you want us to turn Oh man, yikes, that could be a disaster. So Scott, I want to ask you, what is one message that you want to give, give the world right now? Like either uh, when it comes to religion or creativity, like if you can just send one message, your final message, what would that be right now? Hmm. Thank you, you should do this more often, you're good. I listen to um, so much Tim Ferriss. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I should be good at this at one point. <laughs> um, so I've been learning a lot this past year. Part of my preparations just for myself was to get back in touch with my creativity. Um, shout out to this book called The Artist Way. It was really powerful for me. Did my morning pages, my artist date. Uh, maybe we'll talk about this more at some point, Joey, but um, I started to realize how much I was blocking my own creativity due to fear uh, or jealousy of other people that were more successful than me, fear of failing, fear of succeeding, of not knowing what to do if I did well. And, um, and this book helped me realize that every child believes that they're an artist. Every child says, I'm a painter because I painted, or I'm a drawer because look, I drew this thing, or I'm a princess because I have this dress on. And the imagination is just like full at play, nothing is holding it back. And it's only in adulthood that we start to tell ourselves things like, be realistic. You're not a princess, princesses don't exist. Or you're not a drawer because you're not as good as your brother, which was my case. My brother's an amazing drawer. Um, 
And, and even actor, Scott, you're not an actor because you're not currently acting. So all these messages that um, were like kind of self-preservation, well, if I don't tell people an artist, then they will never be disappointed in how not an artist I am or not an actor I am. Or, and so I start to like wall off parts of who I am. And I think everyone does this. It's not just me because I actually think everyone has creativity in them. So ultimately I get that because in the Christian narrative, God created the entire world and he did it like spectacularly. It's just like nuts. And uh, so he's creative and then he made us in the image of him. So we're creative. It's the image of our creator. So when we create things, that's, that's um, the divine in us coming out. And so, yeah, my message is um, that we need to stop censoring ourselves and kind of feeding that, the, the narrative of be realistic, be um, productive or um, professional. I'm just all these things that, that cut out the child in, inside of us, the little inner artist child. And ultimately, this is honestly what Jesus talked about, too. He said, if you can't receive me like a child, then you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he's about coming back childhood spirit as well. And so, yeah, we need more of that. Um, so it's starting with me. I'm figuring out how do I do this for myself as well. Um, but I think we are most like God when we're being created. And that that would probably be my message. I honestly really hope that the recording isn't botched because my internet just froze for a second. <laughs> no. Oh no. Uh, we'll figure that out in a, in a few minutes when I start editing. But um, so far, I so what you said, what I what I caught, and I really hope the audio cuts everything is that you want us all to just be creative and let go of any form of doubt. Hmm. Yeah, shoot, that'll in, be in, interesting to see what, what did cut out. <laughs> but yeah, basically, I, I'm kind of connecting these dots of like, in the Bible, it talks about how God made us in his image. So then I'm, I'm wondering, what is the image that he made in us? Um, and so then, uh, I'm also realizing how hard it is as adults to be creative and how as children, it's not hard at all. And, and it's, and, and even identity as a, as a, an artist, every child believes that I paint, therefore I'm a painter. I draw, therefore I'm a drawer. And it doesn't matter how good it is. It's just the fact that you did it and therefore you are. And that childlike sense of creating, I believe is the divine in us. That's the image of God. And so we are, we are more like God when we are created, when we're creating. And so I'm working through a process of rediscovering that creativity and not censoring it with the, with the messages of doubt, of you're not, you're not very good, you're not, very, you're not as good as this person, um, fear of failing. So... Yeah, I think in my walk with God right now, um, he's teaching me how to be more courageous with my creativity.
which you're doing a very good job at. Like you, I always compare myself to others. Uh, funny thing, everyone in the improv group does this, so it's not just me, which is a good thing. Uh, but man, you're so naturally funny and creative. Like you step into a scene and it feels like you're just ready to go. It doesn't matter that it's improv and that you, that you don't think of a character. It feels like you've had this whole thing figured out before you step on. But at the same time, you realize like, oh yeah, this is improvised because sometimes you just see you, you think about everything at the same time while you're standing there. And other times it's like, I'm a character, I'm alive, I can stand here and just do my thing. Mm. Mm. And that's yeah, what I, I and that's absolutely uh, what I love about you, but also about you as a character, uh, as, as yourself, because mm. that's just who you are. You're just open, you're creative, you're funny but also really kind and nice to everyone. Like, mm. extremely inviting. Dang, man. Thank you. Just spouting those compliments. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Yeah, that, that's awesome to hear. I really appreciate that. So these were all the questions I prepared and randomly asked, and I'm actually, like, down on my, uh, my last thing. And that is... Uh, Telling people that you're going to interview me next time. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'm going to take notes from you, Joey, as an interviewer. Man, you killed it. Those are great questions. So uh, I want to say to the audience, thanks for listening. It was a lot of fun interviewing you, Scott. And I feel like I've learned a lot from you as both my friend and as a, uh, yeah, as, as a Christian. Thanks for interviewing me. And to everyone. See you in the next episode.